Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith who is seeking hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this by visiting mygatewayfellowship.com or on iTunes. Now, here's today's message. It's a blessing to be a part of WGTS Gateway and, and more specifically today, Prayer Works. And uh, this is... Um, yeah, this is does it bend? There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm such a, uh, oh man, I'm such a softy. And um, I, I love people. Um, and I, I walk into a place, I, I think I was at two different places today, and I almost knew virtually no one in both of those places, but when we arrived, my wife and I, I just felt like, man, I love these people. And, and, and you know, I, I can barely remember names sometimes, but I, I hardly forget a face. And, you know, I'm human, but I just, I love people. And this is such a blessing to be a part of this. And so um, I just want to invite God to just, just worship with us in, in this time, uh, just for a minute. Father, everything that you designed from the beginning of the world to happen today, I pray that nothing will be left out, that I will not add to nor take away from anything that you designed for us today. Now, Lord, I, I cannot, I, I imagine that there are individuals here today that are just longing for that connection with you, to hear from you in a specific way that lets them know that everything's gonna be all right. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, no name above that name, that you would surely answer our prayers today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, I have the, uh, the wonderful um, opportunity to speak today on relationships. And uh, that topic is so broad and I tried, to, I tried to get someone to narrow it down for me. You know, what about relationships? There's a library worth of information on relationships. Um, but, but, the, but the response was, let the Lord lead you. And I said, and, and, and please make sure it's done in about 15 minutes. All right? And so we're, we're going to be brief, but I pray that this will be powerful. You know, in our world, there are overestimated it, actually, I think as of 2012, maybe 2011, our planet hit 7 billion people. It went from 6 billion to 7 billion people. And, and, and within our country, there are over 350 million individuals on our continent. And yet in this world, so many of us are so alone. And, and if I can just be candid with you for a moment today, I, I just want to highlight the truth. And the truth about it is, is that as much as I love humanity, because I myself am a human, I also understand that humanity often sh falls short when it comes to our relationships. And, and I don't want to uh, presume that I'm talking to a group of broken individuals. But I will say that in each and every one of our lives, I'd be willing to bet that we have experienced some type of disappointment in the relationships that we have. 
encountered. Uh, with an estimated divorce rate in our country of over of 50 percent, I, I cannot just I will I cannot just over sidestep the fact that maybe someone here is dealing with that, uh, with with the abandonment that takes place with young people and their parents, and, and I can't I cannot just overstep the possibility that there was someone who came through the foster care system in this place today, but but. When I could talk about anything concerning relationships, if I was able to just encapsulate every type of relationship there was and, and how we relate to individuals, I guess the only person that I could find that could encapsulate who has experienced some of the same types of things that we have in relationships was none other than Jesus Christ. And, and before I... Well, by God's grace, I may tell you this story later, but, but I, I guess the inspiration for this is coming because I was reading actually, and I'm sorry, Jatesh, but here's another text, uh, John chapter 6, John chapter 6, and, and, and verse 67 is, is the text that's coming to my mind right now. Now, what's interesting about this text, and if we can get up there, I'll read it in a second, is within the context of this text, Jesus had just gotten finished speaking to individuals within the church. And he was, he was coming clean with the fact that he is the Messiah. In so many words, he was telling them, I mean, when you look back earlier in the text, it says that, that um, he said, my, my body is bread and my blood is, and my, and my blood is, is drink indeed. He was inviting individuals to taste of himself and the goodness that people could find as him being Christ. Well, what's interesting about this is that, uh, is, is that after he got, got finished saying this, there were individuals, his own disciples, the individuals that were following him, turned to him and they said, Lord, this is a hard saying. And the Bible says that 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 many of the disciples from that point followed him no more. Ah. Has God ever said something to you that was a hard saying? And it questioned whether or not you would be able to maintain the faith to keep on believing in his ability. But, but if you've ever been in a relationship where you were just communicating your heart and you were just pouring yourself out to an individual. And maybe that individual shut you out. They decided not to listen to you. They didn't take what you said seriously. And it's not that you're God and everyone needs to listen to you, but you expected more out of one who said that they loved you. Well, this is what Jesus' plight was. And so after everyone's leaving, he turns to the 12 and he says... He says in verse 67, or 66, it says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. But then in verse 67, Jesus asked this question. He says, You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. My brothers and sisters, I've got I've, I've to just stay here with that part right there. See, some of us, and, and this is multi-layered, and so I hope to be able to do this justice in a short time. 
some of us here are struggling with our relationship with God. And you have either heard something from the Lord or, or have been waiting to hear something from the Lord and have not heard it. Or maybe the Lord said something to you and took you in a direction that you feel like is not the one you would rather go in. I do not stand before you today as one who has attained. I myself have struggled with what God has said or has not said to me. But I want to encourage you, if you are at the point where the disciples were at, after hearing or not hearing from the Lord, you are at a point right now today where you're deciding, am I going to stay on this journey? And Jesus is asking you the same question this, this afternoon. Are you going to leave me too? Oh, brothers and sisters, there's such temptation to walk away. But I implore you today to give Jesus yet another try. I don't want to just speak to you uh, because I was asked to say something about the goodness of the Lord, because sometimes it doesn't seem like the Lord is good to us because we don't like the results of what's taking place in our lives. And so and so but he's saying he's asking this question to you because he has also said in another place, all things will work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so he's asking you this right now. He's saying, are you going to leave me too? Brothers and sisters, some of us in this place, I dare not presume, have not yet given Christ the chance to prove himself to you. Now, that I, I, I kind of tingled when I said that because he doesn't have to prove himself to anyone. But in Philippians, it said that he humbled himself and became, took on the form of mankind so that he could be our salvation. And so we're dealing with relationships and some of us have been placing our faith in other human beings and have come up disappointed. Maybe your spouse has has fallen short of your ideal and your expectation at times. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Maybe the child that you had you hoped would give you the love that you showed them when they were young and they're grown and they're out of the house and they no longer call you. There's someone in this place who is a father who was who was uh, uh, who is a father as a product of divorce and has not been able to see their children. And when you do or if you have spoken to them, they have not reached back out to you. There's a mother who has a heavy burden and is lonely and is hoping that her community would help her. Maybe her church or her or or her support system. And they have not been there for you. This is your opportunity to take hold of a person, to be engaged in a relationship with someone who not only loves you more than you love yourself, but has ordained your path from the beginning of the world and is invested in your success, not just here, 
but your eternal success as well. And so what I like what Peter says in verse 68, if you could just flip there with me. In verse 68, he asked, in 67, he asked the disciples, are you going to leave me too? You're at that crossroad. But I like what Peter says in 68. He says, Lord, where should we go? To whom? That's relationship. To whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Simon knew that he had already invested this much time and energy in his relationship with the Lord that just because he didn't do something the way he thought he should have or said what he thought he should have said, he said, Lord, there's something that I understand and that is I see your love and your power. And at this point, who am I going to turn to? Because you are the only one who have the words of life and eternal life. I want to share this story with you as I close. It's a personal story because it, it, it hurt my pride, but it just hurt in general. I was uh, a freshman in college, and bear with me, wife, I told this story before, but it's, it, it, I think it's apropos to now. I, and I'm in college, and I get called to preach in uh, Arizona, and, after, and while I'm there for about three or four days, uh, I run into a young lady. I meet a young lady who was beautiful. And we began to talk and we exchanged numbers. And I have such a, I have such a strong wife because I can talk about ex-girlfriends and she doesn't, she doesn't get to me. So thank you for your graciousness. So, so, so listen, so here I am and I get back to Columbus, Ohio. It's the summertime and we're talking on the phone back and forth. We're building a relationship. And we decide on the fly. You know, when you're young, you just make those decisions. And so I, I just, I get up and I go, I get a plane ticket and I fly to Prescott, Arizona. And it's out there in the desert. She picks me up from the, from the main airport and we drive about an hour or so out from there. And, the, and, and she's living with her parents. And so they have, and we're Christian young people, so it's, it, it, we were, we were uh, you know, on either end opposite wings of the house and couldn't, you know, talk except for supervised and so forth. But still, I was seeing her face to face. And it had been some weeks, and that felt like an eternity. And so I'm there with, and not knowing what's going to take place with this relationship afterwards. Well, long story short. As we spent time, she actually had to work during the day. And so I'm there during the day, and I'm waiting for her to get back in the evening. And, and what happens is, is this one particular evening, toward the end of my stay, she arrives, she goes and gets dressed, and I think we're getting ready to go out on a nice date. Because I was suggesting that. She gets dressed. And my brothers and sisters, I kid you not, at the time when I felt we were getting ready to leave, the doorbell rings. 
And when the doorbell rang, there was a young man there with a guitar and some flowers. I don't know why to this day I didn't get the memo, why I didn't see it, but this relationship I thought we had was just one way. And now she is getting herself ready to go out on a date with someone else. She turns and looks at me sheepishly, as if to say, I'm sorry, but not really. And she heads out the door with this young man. And I was left there like, I want to go home right now. Confused, angry, alone, just flabbergasted. She arrives back later at night, and I thought we were going to sit down and talk about this so that there could be some certain closure. But when she gets in, he comes in as well. This is a real story. And he sits down on the couch. I go in another room to escape all of this. And I begin to hear the guitar play and I hear his voice singing to her. And after that, she goes into her room for the evening. The next day, her father takes me back to the airport. And I tell you this story, and it doesn't have a happy ending, but I tell you this story to highlight the fact that people sometimes will let us down. And even the best person with the best intentions still comes short of our expectation at some point. But we have a God that is waiting in the wing, humble, patient, waiting to see, to pick up the pieces when we've placed our faith in someone else who has let us down. And though he doesn't always say what we like to hear, he always means well and has our needs in mind. And so I implore you today to answer the question the way that Peter answered it. For he's asking you today, are you going to stay with me? Are you leaving me as well? My friends, I suggest to you that we have nowhere else to go. For he still in 2014 has the words of eternal life. God bless you. Stick close to him. Amen. It's good to be with you here tonight. Spend time together singing about prayer and spending time in prayer. When I was 17 years old, a friend in high school introduced me to Jesus Christ. And I became a part of a small little country church. About 60 people attended that church. It was a close church. People are always going over to people's homes after church and spending time throughout the week. And I was one of three youth in that church. And that church loved me like, like I had been a part of that church forever, like I'd grown up in that church. And everybody knew everybody. And I got affirmation and encouragement as a 17-year-old, still wet from my baptism kid. One woman in that church who was an amazing encouragement was Irene. 
She was one of the seniors in the church. She'd been in that church her whole life. And she, on the day of my baptism, made a, a scarf for me as, a, as an act, as a token of, of love. She, she hand-knit a scarf and a matching hat, I might add. I, I didn't bring the hat. I have it, but I didn't bring it. I put it on before I left, and my wife thought I was crazy in this heat. But I still have it all these many years, and I'll never forget it because she made it for a lot of the new people who joined the church, gave their heart to the Lord. and She couldn't do much, but it was an act of her love, her selflessness to do something. She couldn't get out much. By this time, she couldn't come to church very often, but she could sit at home and she could knit. And she could make a scarf and a hat and gloves and socks. And, and so she did that for people. And she gave them as gifts. So when I got word that Irene was sick, my heart was hurting for her. She had cancer. The church came together and began praying for Irene. I'm new in my faith. I'm reading the Gospels for the first time. And I'm reading about this Jesus who answers prayer. And so I go to Jesus in prayer. And I, with this church, pray for Irene. The church comes together and has prayer sessions for Irene. It's a close church. The elders in the church end up going to, to her home and have a special prayer service for her, laying hands on her and praying over her. The leader of the youth group, my mentor, Helped bring me to the Lord. He was one of the elders who prayed over her. A couple weeks later, Irene died. As a 17-year-old kid, my heart was devastated. I had a little prayer closet. kind of was underneath the closet that was underneath the stairs, you know. And I used to go in there, and Jesus said to go into your closet. I didn't know much, so I did. I went into my closet, and I prayed. And I'd been praying and asking God to heal her. And he didn't. And I was devastated. I wondered if I was making the right decision, if God was really alive and real, or was this just a... I was so confused as a new believer. And my faith was shaken. The mentor, Jim was his name, the youth, youth leader there, He came to me and put his arms around me as a a father-like figure and said, Tim, we don't fully understand why it is that God answers prayers all the time. And sometimes he doesn't answer prayer, at least in the way we think he should answer them. But to be a man or a woman of faith is to hold on to him even when he doesn't do what we think he should do. This verse here in Psalms 143 says, Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails me. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down into the pit. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way that I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I could believe in prayer anymore. I was in need 
I, well, somebody else was in need, and I was praying for this person, and, and God didn't answer my prayer for Irene. So I wondered if he was going to answer any others, and this, this mentor just loved me, and we cried together because Irene is just a beautiful person. The church was benefited. The community was benefited. Single moms were benefited with blankets all the time. And the community was going to suffer without her. But I chose to not go by feeling, but to hold on to my faith in God despite my prayer not being answered. Being a senior in high school, I decided I was still going to choose to pray, to believe in prayer. So I, I prayed these kinds of prayers as Psalms describes. And I would go into my prayer closet and I would just pour myself out to God. And one day when I was walking in the halls in high school, this kid comes to me and he says, Tim, you, you believe in God and Jesus and do the church thing, right? I'm so young in my faith. I said, yeah, I do. Well, do you believe in prayer? At this time, I wasn't sure. But by faith, I said yes. He said, well, I'm having a problem at home. Can, can you pray for me? I didn't go around with a sign that says, I'll pray for you. I mean, I didn't hide my faith, but I wasn't advertising it out there. It's like God sent this person to me. And so I said, yeah, I'll pray for you. What, what for? And there were some problems in his, his parents' relationship. I don't know the details. And so that night and that morning, that next morning, I went into my prayer closet. And I prayed for this, this, this kid's parents. And I prayed day after day. A couple of days later, he comes up to me and says, have you been praying? I said, I have. I've been praying for you, and I've been praying for your family. Well, God answered your prayers because it's not that way. I mean, it's, it's better. God's, God's answered the prayer. And I, I don't remember the details of the relationship. I, I, my faith was encouraged. But then somebody else comes up to me and says, Tim, the other kid tells me that you pray. Will you pray for me? And I don't remember specifically, it's been a long time now, what it was. I said, yeah, I would. And, and instead of waiting until I got home to my prayer closet, I said, let's pray right now. So right out by the lockers in the hallway, I pray for him. And then I would go home and I would get on my knees in my little prayer closet and I would pray for him. And God answered those prayers. And not because of me, not because I'm walking around advertising it. I became known in the school, in this high school, as the kid who prays and God answers his prayers. Our little church had three young people in it, three youth. In less than three months, we had about 35 young people. It wasn't me. It was God answering the prayers of the lives of these people, these, these young people. And everybody knew Tim was the guy. God answers his prayers. God answers his prayers. In, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus tells a story. There's a story, Jesus, here, where he's walking along this road, and this, this centurion soldier comes up to Jesus. And so Jesus, he knows Jesus 
prays for people and, and things happen and, and, and people are healed because of Jesus. So the centurion comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I have a servant back home who's sick. I want to know, will you heal them? Jesus said, sure. Take me there and I'll heal them. And the centurion, he's a religious leader, or I mean a, a military leader. He says, no, you don't have to go. I am a man of authority. I have people under me. And as a man of authority, I say, go, and people go. I say, come, and people come. I tell people what to do, and they do it. And I recognize you are a man with authority. You do not even have to go to my house. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Jesus says that he had not seen such faith with anyone of the religious leaders. Not, not one of them. Here's this, this Roman centurion guard. Not a religious person. He had more faith than all of them. And Jesus spoke the words and healed that man. I believe in prayer. And that God answers prayers. Sometimes maybe not like we... Like we think he should, but I have never seen God deny a prayer. Years later, I became a pastor after Bible school, and I chose to hold on to that. And I have seen couples. I got a phone call early on in my ministry. A couple calls me up and says, Pastor Tim, I just wanted to let you know, the wife's talking, she's on the other end of the phone, I just want to let you know that my husband and I are getting a divorce. I'm not calling you for permission. I'm not calling you for counsel. I'm telling you straight up, we're getting a divorce, and I just thought I should tell you since we're members of the church. I said, okay, fine. I won't try to talk you out of it then. Can I at least just meet together with you both? Yes, fine, but we're, we're not wanting counsel. So we got together, and I said, can, you guys are going to do what you're going to do. Go ahead and file the paperwork, but can you wait a month to file that? And will you do one thing for me? Over the month, just spend the time every day, sometime, praying together. And then go ahead and get your divorce. A month later, they did not get that divorce. Because God did something in their relationship. Another man comes to me saying, Tim, I have no idea. Pastor, I have no idea what to do. I don't have a job. I'm behind in my mortgage. I just don't know how God is going to, to answer this. I have no idea how God is going to take care. I have no idea how I'm going to pay. I, I just don't know what to do. And so myself and some others, we got down, we prayed, and God provided a job. There's one individual, same situation, similar situation. He's come to me and he says, I have no idea what to do. This, this job that I'm currently working at is asking me to deny my faith, to do something against my faith. And, I don't, and if I don't do it, I'll lose my job. So we prayed. And we told him, prayed for him. I prayed for him. We prayed together. And I said, you go back to your boss and you tell him that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, and that you can't deny your faith. And that boss, he was ready to be fired. He was ready to lose his job. 
to be fired. He walked into that office ready to get his resignation pink slip. And instead, his boss was touched by his conviction to not back down in his faith and gave that man a promotion. parent comes to me and says, Pastor Tim, I'd like you to listen. Call this number and listen. I have no idea what it was. I dial the, the number's dialed. I hit dial. I listen. And it goes to voicemail. And on the other end of the voicemail, I hear this, this teenager in my church saying things that you don't say as a believer. In his voicemail, very ungodly R-rated movie language. And the parent says, I have no idea what to do with my son. So we prayed. The church prayed. And that young man was out in the world making incredible self-destructive decisions. And one day, not long later, his friends turned against him. And he had no idea what to do. So he went home, because he left home. He went home. And his parents called me. He's home. We don't know what to do. Should we make him go to church? No, don't make him go to church. If he wants to come, let him come. So he got, I got up to go to church. He's like, you're going to make me go? No, if you want to go, you can come. So he came. And that church, the old guy in the church, the old guy who always was cantankerous, you know. There's always one in every church. He knew about what this kid was saying and doing, and he went running up to this kid. I could see him going running up. Oh, no. He grabbed that kid and said, would you like to come over and help me at the PA booth? And just loved that kid. That kid recommitted his life to the Lord and became a, a gospel singer, is married now, and is involved in his church doing mission work and is a powerful influence for the Lord. When I was a young man, I almost didn't believe in prayer because prayer wasn't answered the way I thought God should answer prayer. But I chose not to let my expectations of God change my belief in who God is. Some here today have come because you're praise on your lips, your heart is filled with joy, and you wanted to join in with other people to sing amazing worship songs and to talk more about prayer here at Prayer Works. Some of you came today because you were given an invitation, knowing that we were going to come together and talk about prayer. We would have time for prayer. We're going to take time for prayer today. And maybe there's struggling with finances or health or or relationships, or a parent, or a son, or a daughter who's left the Lord, or doesn't know the Lord, or doesn't want to do what you're doing, or, or whatever it may be. You have a family member who's on the verge of, of, of their life ending, and you're at this wit's end, and the prayer in Psalm is, is, is your same prayer. You're crying out to God. You're saying, answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me. Or I will become like those who go down into the pit. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning. For I trust in you. Teach me the way I should walk. For to you I lift up my soul. 
wherever you are in your faith, I believe, we believe, you are here today for a reason. If you've come today with a prayer on your heart, I believe God desires to hear your prayer. If you've come today with praise, then I think God has brought you here to remind you the importance of praying for other people so that God can use you as a prayer warrior because prayer works. It's real. I don't know how. People talk about the science of prayer. I have no idea. I've been studying it for almost 30 years. But somehow, when we pray, God does stuff. Maybe he's just wanting to involve us. Maybe there's some great battle that's going on between angelic and evil hosts in our prayers. I've heard all it. I've studied it all. And honestly, I don't fully understand it. But I know this. Prayer makes a difference. And no matter where your faith is today, whether it's shaken up like mine was because you've been praying for something and, and you're not sure it's coming through, or whether your, your faith is incredible and great, wherever it is, I want to encourage you, do not stop praying. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship. We'd love it if you came to visit sometime. We meet each Saturday afternoon at 5 at the Mrs. John Hopkins Memorial Chapel at Tacoma Academy in Tacoma Park, Maryland. You can learn more and get directions by visiting mygatewayfellowship.com.